One day that Tom Walker had been to a distant part of the neighborhood, he took what he considered a shortcut homeward through the swamp. Like most shortcuts, it was an ill-chosen route. The swamp was thickly grown with great gloomy pines and hemlocks, some of them ninety feet tall, which made it dark at noonday and a retreat for all the owls of the neighborhood. It was full of pits and quagmires, partly covered with weeds and mosses, where the green surface often betrayed the traveler into a gulf of black, smothering mud. There were also dark and stagnant pools, the abodes of the tadpole, the bullfrog, and the water snake, where the trunks of pines and hemlocks lay half-drowned, half-rotting, looking like alligator, sleeping in the mire. Anyone but he would have felt unwilling to linger in this lonely, melancholy place, for the common people had a bad opinion of it, from the stories handed down from the times of the Indian Wars, when it was asserted that the savages held incantations here and made sacrifices to the evil spirit. The Devil and Tom Walker, Washington Irving. Limonards from a no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Wellhouse Exorcism with a crossover with Liminal Unlimited. Hey. Hello, welcome to our side, the mm. Wellhouse side. It's spooky. At least it's not terrible thunderstorms like when you came from Skinwalker Ranch. Yes. When I saw that it was supposed to rain earlier, I was like, ooh, perfect, an ambience for this. And our dining room was flickering. I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) Every time we invite them over. So we have you, sorry, first I should say, hello, I'm your ghost of a host of the most. This is Shanna. This is Pukwa PJ. (laughs) Wow. High five. That's right. Can you please keep that forever now? (laughs) The awkward intros are gone. Now you're Pukwa PJ. PJ. Like it. And we have with us. I'm Jen. And I'm Kyle. Welcome. That sounded like a question. <laughs> Am I Kyle? I'm Jen. I'm Jen. And we are Liminal Unlimited. <laughs> Tell us about your podcast <laughs> for those who our listeners have heard about you. Wait, wait, but... First off, Jen's a longtime listener, first time caller. Yeah. True. Yes. <laughs> We've been on their show. Yes. This is their first time on our show. Well, not Kyle's, but Jen's first time on our show. What is the Limital Unlimited? Well, for all the losers out there that haven't listened. Uh, Agreed. That's yeah. right. <laughs> Don't insult the listeners. So Liminal Unlimited. I need my listeners. I, I'm getting fan mail from someone in California. Her name's Jackie. Hi, Jackie. I love her. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Kyle. <laughs> to, to, to those who have not had the pleasure there of listening. Go. That's diplomatic. continue so liminal unlimited is all about the weird things that happen on the fringes of our reality so whereas you guys cover primarily the ghostly spectral phantom-esque happenings the oogie boogie boogies the oogie boogies 
we get into a little bit of that, but mo- but a lot of aliens, cryptids, um, dimensional portals, and time slippages. Glitches in the Matrix. Glitches in the Matrix, yeah. Uh, just all the crazy weird things that happen um, that we tend to believe uh, are related to um, kind of crossover points or dimensional, you know, thinness. Yeah, thin spaces, Rips right? in time and space. Right. I know right. that from somewhere. <laughs> what? It ain't Washington Irving, but it's something. <laughs> you know, I want to say, too, I'm so glad you're here. I promised myself I would never allow cryptids on my podcast. Really? And we are going to discuss cryptids. Lots of cryptids. Which makes PJ, I'm sure, super, super happy. Which is weird because I don't really believe in many cryptids, but I love talking about them. Mm -hmm. What's funny is after doing all the research for Bridgewater Triangle, which is tonight's episode. Are you a believer? I kind of want to believe in Bigfoot. Yeah. (laughs) I believe in Bigfoot. I did not. I was like, eh, some dude who's hairy, like, just seriously, he needs to get a shower and shave, it's fine. But now I'm like, hmm, maybe. See, we, we've been watching Missing, Missing 411. Oh, uh, that's great. Which we have an yeah, episode, we do do an episode about. about. Oh, that. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such good stuff. Weird, I, weird I have a couple stuff. of, like, I always have back burner stuff, and there are, like, Bigfoot things here in Pennsylvania. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do a oh, crypto yeah. unless I have to. Yeah, because yeah, uh, you know part of part of what kind of fascinates us is you have something like Bigfoot, which you know I believe that my father had an encounter with. When I heard yeah. that story, I was like, maybe he does exist because <laughs> your dad is like so straight, like he's oh, such yeah. a straight shooter. Like, yeah, make that up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and it's something. It's a story that has never changed. Like mm-hmm. it's not like he embellishes it and makes it different. When mm-hmm. he tells that story, it's the same story every time, and. um and it's weird. It's a story that I didn't hear till I was like fourteen, you know. And he just busts it out at like a like a like there's a family party. We're sitting around playing cards, and he just decides to like, you know, everybody starts talking about like like ghost stories and things that happened in their houses and things Wasn't like he that. Like a little drunk too to get him to tell a story. Well, I I got him drunk for the show. Oh, that's the yeah. story yeah. on the show. Yeah. But um, but yes, yeah, so we're sitting around at like a relative's house playing cards and all of a sudden my dad's just like well do you guys want to hear something really weird <laughs> and and then he just busts it out and because like the family members like knew the guys he was like talking about mm-hmm. that were like with him that night and everything mm-hmm. they're like it, it all like the whole room was like that's weird that's weird norm <laughs> you got us you got us good no, but he's such a he's such a serious guy too so i was like okay you know what i believe that there has to be some kind of like deep sea monster that make that big bloop the sound bloop. the bloop mm-hmm. yeah so if i can believe in that and i you know my family's ancestry with the native american culture i i mean i'm catholic but i understand like the origin stories of different cultures and i find the thunderbird to be such a beautiful you know story the sky world of course from the um i want to say the iroquois invented the sky world so like all these different you know origin stories and how they kind of explain the universe but the more i did the bridgewater triangle like research i was like what if the aliens came to the Native Americans and, you know, Predator wasn't wrong. And I started, like, going down that, like, wormhole and I was like, oh, no, I think I believe in cryptids. Kevin Paul will be so happy. Yeah, Yeah, you know. Oh, go ahead, Jenny. I was going to say, you can tune into episode what of Liminal. I don't even, I don't remember. To hear your dad's story. I don't remember that. It's called the episode, uh, because I don't number them. 
but uh, you can look. Um, we always like to have a funny little title. Yes. I come up with those on my own. And, Me too. Uh, my father's episode with the Bigfoot story is called Run, Bigfoot, Run. That's what it was. I was going to nice. look up for you. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I've made some pretty good titles for mine, and PJ goes, really? I'm like, that's our title. Where the white <laughs> things are. That's a title now. That's a thing. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, and, and I entertain the the possibility, like, you know, that um, because the Native Americans have numerous stories about uh, this sort of spirit nature of Bigfoot, um, and there are, there are stories about people, like, tracking what they believe is a Bigfoot tracking these large footprints mm. and then they just stop and there's like no place it could have gone. It should have left more footprints and it's just gone. And to, to me, because I do believe there's a crossover point between the spirit world and, you know, f- the physical world, mm-hmm. f- you know, the realm of physics. Um, I believe that there could be interdimensional crossovers and that possibly that's what, Bigfoot is. It's like an interdimensional creature. New idea. I always toss out new ideas on your episodes. So new idea. Bigfoot lives in his own land. They come over here through a portal to see the quaint, uncivilized us. Look, look how tiny they are. Oh, how cute. Click, 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 click. And they go back to the portal. And, you know, it could even be be something like... uh, you know, animals migrate to breed. They migrate for yeah. certain food sources and things like that. What if it's something where Bigfoot is just literally, for for a Bigfoot, stepping through the dimensional gateway is like literally just like crossing a stream. Looking and for a girlfriend? Looking for something. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> and then they get what they need and then they leave. They go back. I think I dated one once. <laughs> I didn't. He's not hairy at all. It's wonderful. Uh, I dated a Bigfoot. <laughs> I love you for many things, and your lack of hair is one of them. Hmm. Except for your head. I wish we had black-haired children. Yeah. What happened to us that we, you especially, have very dark hair, dark eyes. This kid right here, black hair. All of kid. our children. Kid. I'm, I'm older than you. All of our children are pale. Hail. Blonde. blonde. Soapy's not blonde, no. but we went wrong somewhere. This is genetics. I oh, I know. see. PJ gave you your present. Yes. <laughs> Kyle found it, actually, and I was like, oh, yeah, I bought that for you. If you if you wind it backwards, it rides forward. Oh, I know. It's a little possum for all you listeners. The listeners, yes. It's a, it's a little possum on wheels, and I hate possums. I think it's adorable. There it goes. Wee! That's disgusting. Alex loves it because he loves cars. So it's been used a lot by Alex. Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe I should leave it here. No, (laughs) it needs to go. I think the kids would love it at your house. Anywho, so so now that we've had that very long intro, thank you for coming. We need you tonight. Me? Yes. I, well, both of you, but especially you, Jen, because you did a lot of research on the Bridgewater Triangle. I love it. I'm from New England, so I've known about this for a very long time. Um, And I read the Washington Irving story because I believe that while Washington Irving stole everything he ever wrote from old Germanic folktales, I think he was inspired by the Bridgewater Triangle because the way he describes the swampy area where the devil resides, it sounds very similar to 
Pacamac Swamp because that's where there was an Indian fort, like a fort. I don't want to use the word Indian, but that's what they call it in the, in the mm-hmm. story here. But a Native American fortress, and a lot of people died there, of course, because of uh, King Philip's uh, War. So I just, and when you're reading the short story, Tom Walker actually sticks a, a stick into a skull and finds it and is like poking at it. So like mm. you know he you know he's like just kind of. T- being desecrating, like destroying this skull that was Native Americans. And even the devil yells at him for doing that. Like, how dare you? Um, so I hold that Washington Irving um, from that area, of course, was kind of just intrigued by the Bridgewater Triangle as well. Because you already said in your research that this goes back hundreds of years. Uh, our very first ever UFO sighting happened in this area, too. So let's talk about the Bridgewater Triangle because it's not in Pennsylvania and I it's rarely not. I rarely go out of PA, mm-hmm. but I do sometimes. And since we just finished our discussion on Native American burial grounds, I thought this would be a good next stepping stone. Absolutely. So what is it, Jen? Why are we here? So Sounds so aggressive. Yeah, I know. What Paint, is it? Sorry. <laughs> Paint me a picture with your words, Jen. Well, the Bridgewater Triangle. Tell me all no. So the Bridgewater Triangle is an area of about 200 square miles in southeastern Massachusetts. Um, and the three points of the triangle are Abington, Rehoboth, and Freetown. Um, and inside the triangle, there's like Bridgewater and... Which is why it gets the name. West Bridgewater, all, East all Bridgewater, the, all the Bridgewater. All the Bridgewater. <laughs> um, the communities of Taunton, Raynham, Berkeley, Dighton, Brockton, Easton, and Bridgewater. Um, Not your Easton, though. No, different, no. different Easton. So the term was coined by a New England-based cryptozoologist named Lauren Coleman. A great name for a man, by the way. L-O-R-E-N, Lauren, Yes. Um, back in 1983, and it's named, he, he was, you know, researching this area and all the phenomena that happens in this, like, 200 square mile, um, area, and, um, there's UFO sightings, uh, poltergeists, orbs, balls of fire, Bigfoot sightings, giant snakes, thunderbirds, um, cult activity. Cult activity. <laughs> that yes. one's crazy. That one's messed up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the amount of Satanists that apparently reside in within, within Massachusetts and within the Bridgewater Triangle is, and the, the is little, kind of impressive. The murder like shack to, that's in that's in the woods there and stuff too. I like to oh, imagine yeah. that the Puritans drove them to this. <laughs> it's just a, a reaction to, to the Puritans. Yeah, so there's the Freetown State Forest, which has a lot of weird activity, cult activity, like weird sightings. And then, like you said, Hockamock Swamp. Gesundheit. <clears throat> That's very racist of you. <laughs> I just want to say every time you say phenomena on your show, I go, do, 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 do. Yeah, so. Let's see here. So Tuckamuck Swamp, Freetown, Fall River, State Forest. Um, there's I, the Suicide Rock, too. Yeah, so there's Profile Sorry. Rock. Solitude Rock. Solitude yeah, Rock. Solitude but they also call it, yeah. With the poem on it. Yep. So Profile Rock is the supposed site of where Wampanoag historical figure Anawan received the lost wampum belt from Philip. Um, Philip was a 
Native American who called himself King Philip. So, uh, actually, I wanted to add on to that from your uh-huh. podcast. So, uh, Massasoit, when he had his children, uh, by the time he was done being the, the sachem, um, he, was, he was the chief, you know, of this area, 50 years he worked well with the Puritans, well, with the pilgrims. The Puritans came in and kind of ruined it all, no surprise. Um, he was so beloved by them and by England that they actually called him the king. That mm-hmm. was his nickname. Mm-hmm. And so they allowed him to give his Native American sons British names. And so his eldest was called Alexander, and his second was named Philip. So when Alexander passed away, most likely by poison by the Puritans, um, Philip took over. And that's why he called himself King Philip. So he has two names uh, because he has his Native American name, but he also has his British name. See, I know my stuff. I actually know a lot about Native American, and it's not just because mm-hmm. of my family. It's because I taught a, um, American literature for years. So I can tell you the Wampanoag are the ones who met the the Native the Puritans slash Pilgrims as they came. Yep. Squanto. Squanto is the one who talked to them because he was a slave for many years and learned English that way. Um, actually, even John Smith uh, met the Wampanoag for a while. He actually mentions them in one of his uh, stories. Wow. So, yeah. They're part of the Algonquin tribe. So, actually, they actually speak Algonquin and Wampanoag still exist today. They live um, right up in that area still. So, cool. Yep. So, side though is just the a lot of extra. You know. The more you know. I could talk a lot of, about this. So, I'm going to stop myself because yeah. I actually love Native American. <laughs> well, one of the side things about the whole Wampum Belt story is that. Um, at that time, they surrendered, uh, Chief Anawan surrendered to um, the pilgrims at the time. And uh, Captain Church was like the leader of like that area. And uh, he made a truce with them and had a pretty good relationship with them. Left to go on like another excursion, came back uh, to find that Anawan's head was on a pike. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so in so, this area was um, this battle, King's Phil- King Philip's War, Yep. Um, which was from June 19- 1675 to April 1678. And it's um, an armed conflict between indigenous inhabitants of New England and New England colonists and their indigenous allies. Uh, the war is named for Metacom, the Wampanoag chief, who adopted the name Philip because of the friendly relations between his father and... Massasoit and Mayflower Pilgrims, which you already talked about. The war continued in the most northern reaches of New England until the signing of the Treaty of Casco Bay on April 12, 1678. But it was like the bloodiest. But, yeah, but then basically yeah, Pilgrims conflict. ignored the treaty, you know, ignored yeah. any uh, truces they had with them and kept well, spreading Metacom and making was new actually colonies. A, a fantastic war mind. He, he really understood yeah. war. Um, but he lost so many of his people because, you know, you, you, you don't have guns. Yeah. Right. Okay. Epidemics too. Well, yeah. They, yeah. Disease, yeah. man. So we already have this, you know, huge loss of life, lots mm-hmm. of violence in this area. Yeah. And something we talked about on our episode is, is that what kind of caused this negative energy in this area? Yes. Or, <laughs> or... Was the negative energy already there, and that's what contributed to this horribly bloody war? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, then. 
No, I'm I, just saying. No, I agree. Because like, we talk all the time, but you know about like negative spaces when you, a lot of terrible things happen. You know, it kind of just brings in more mm-hmm. of that negativity. And there is discussion that this was also a burial ground as well, part of the swamp anyway. But the swamp was actually a beloved area for the Wampanoag because they could hunt in there all, mm-hmm. pretty much all year round. So it was a very sacred place for them to go. Um, I hold it because so many people died. That's why you have that negativity kind of drawn there. I don't, but I don't like when people say, oh, it's because of Native American curse because the, the wampum belt. Mm-hmm. They yeah. don't believe in curses. Right. You know, like there, some tribes do, you know, like the, the Navajo. That's why we have Skinwalker Ranch, right? Mm-hmm. But I think more so it's just that taint of all the, the terrible things that happened, you know, broken promises, heads getting chopped off, you know. Absolutely. I think it just draws more negativity. Bad mojo. Absolutely. Bad juju. So back to some of the areas in the triangle. So there's uh, the profile rock, Solitude Stone, which is an inscribed stone located near Forest Street in West Bridgewater, which was found near a missing person's body, also known as Suicide Stone. The rock was found with the inscription, All ye who in future days walk by Nunkatesset Stream, love not him who hummed his lay cheerful to the parting beam, but the beauty that he wooed. How romantic. What a load of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. And that that's means. why that rock gets graffitied all the time. There's another one that they pulled out of the lake, too. Lake Nip, I think it was. Uh, there are like Nordic runes on it, mm-hmm. and there are also Native American markings on it. So there's all kinds of like different. Um, there's uh, I wasn't going to talk about Portuguese. Because, I think yeah, I feel like that one. could just take us a whole another episode. But oh, they're yeah. not sure where it came from because yeah. the language is just so crazy. There's just so much stuff on it. Yeah, I'm a big believer that the the Vikings actually traversed more land than than we think than we think they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's there is some evidence. It's you know you can question it. It's up in the air, but there's some evidence they may have made it in as far as like around the great lakes you know which is actually part of why the scandinavians went and settled there when they came when eventually scandinavians started immigrating to america that's why they settled in that area because hence the fargo accent (laughs) we discussed that earlier in the episode because that's their their ancestors had already been there yeah and seen it and that's how you get the Fargo accent, yeah? I think I'm going to barf. <laughs> oh, darn. Oh, darn. I going to barf. <laughs> so, but yeah, that rock, didn't they? They, they moved the rock and they built a museum around yes, the rock. Yeah. And they're still studying it today, which is pretty neat. That is neat. Anyway. You should go see it. That's road trip. Or road not. Trip. Or not. That <laughs> would be awesome. All right. So some other locations, there's Bridgewater State University, several buildings and rooms on campus are alleged to be haunted by ghosts and other paranormal phenomena. Taunton State Hospital. (laughs) Some visitors have claimed they've had strange paranormal experiences in the hospital, including being touched and pulled in certain areas of the hospital. (laughs) I liked your line of those certain areas. (laughs) Certain areas. Of the hospital. Oh. <laughs> that prepositional phrase is so important. Hey, hey guys, I think I'm going to go uh, clean the hospital now. If you, if you know what I mean. I need to be touched in some places. And pulled. I'm looking so at... Only. I'm looking to get pulled. Oh. <laughs> it is also 
claimed that the hospital was used by satanic cults during the 1960s and 70s. I feel bad for again, all state hospitals, and I know Jackie's listening to this. It's just we she has been emailing about, and we're going to have her actually zoom in to talk about the medical side of things because we're mm. going to be doing a different um, discussion in June. Um, but all these state hospitals, there's no surprise that satanic people are like drawn there to do things in there because mm. terrible things happen Absolutely. there. Absolutely, yeah. talk so. about negative energy. Yeah. yeah, you know, like they they're seeking out places. Uh, I, I, most of it is like dipshit kids well yeah oh, but yeah. but we don't swear on this podcast oh sorry they'll have to bleep me dipshit <laughs> I'll, I'll put a cat meowing or something <laughs> you know but but they're they're going to these places because of the history of anguish mm-hmm. and and all this so they think that that's going to be the place where you can drum up you know dark and evil entities and all yeah. this kind of stuff um you know but i mean really you could do that anywhere. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah for yeah. sure. Our basement is an example. Yeah, as is our attic. But yeah, there's a there was a legit underground bunker that they found, and there are like satanic markings, and you know the word, you know the name Satan, like written on one of the boards, and and everything. It's collapsed since then, but they found it in this uh, in the Bridgewater Triangle documentary, mm-hmm. and uh, and then not far from it is this murder shack where like. This guy took prostitutes to kill, so allegedly. Um, allegedly. So, yeah, because there was, there was a detective up there that like he he found like all these places. He like busted all these yeah because all these for, sites because yeah. he was trying to figure out where all these missing people were going. Yeah. yeah, and for a long time people were like, oh, it's this place over here. No, it's that place over there. And then like they found the actual places just in 2012. A year yeah. before this documentary came out. Yeah, one was like dug into the side of a mound just out in the woods. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Crazy. See? See, Satanists, you could just go into the woods. Please don't give anyone and ideas. Dig, and dig no, a hole. do not listen. <laughs> Please stop. You don't need to go to an old hospital. I suppose I should give a shout out to Liminal Unlimited. If you want ideas for your next serial killing, please. Yeah, but real He's Satanists about... don't do that stuff anyway. Yeah, it's true. Those are just yeah. the Lots yeah. of podcasts. Well, real Satanists own homes. Yeah. And they like, you know, and if they, if they, if they practice occult rituals, they have like a room, they have a comfy room <laughs> full of, you know, they're all lit up. They don't, they don't murder prostitutes. You know, as no. a general rule. And they just have all the stuff there. Well, thank goodness. For whatever reason, cat bones though is a necessary ingredient cat for a lot bones. of the stuff they do. Cat bones mm-hmm. always pops up as like something that they need in, you know, their rituals. It's because cats have always been seen as deities. Because they think they're the best thing in the whole world. Hey, Sarge, we found 20 dead cats in here. Oh, Satanists. (laughs) (laughs) Does that mean that if you're a cat lady, you're just practicing to become like a Satanist? You're like collecting them? Are you protecting them? (gasps) You're the angel protecting them from Satanists. Or supplier. Oh. Probably uh, yeah. a pretty good business. Be there. warned. I know be, a guy who knows a girl. Be, <laughs> be warned. Every cat lady is a secret Satan's helper. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> That's oh. liminalunlimited at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> and there goes all my listeners. All right, anyway. Got to email this Liminal Unlimited group. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to leave. We're going to leave Wallhouse because these guys are hilarious. <laughs> Anywho. Anywho. So some of the paranormal claims. What are they? 
that are common to this. He does area this all the time. Are what? Unidentified flying objects. Unidentified. Unidentified <laughs> flying objects. I love it. Perfect. <laughs> Often in the form of bright balls of large, of light or large, unusual space. You got hooked on the word balls I there. Did. You couldn't stop. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> he's thinking it, whether right. he says it or not. So he's saying it with his often eyes. Often in the form of bright balls of light or large, unusual spacecraft. Are you saying they're great balls of fire? Great balls of fire. Here we go. Oh, can I say that? I can't. <laughs> it's my podcast. You're good. Okay. Unnatural animal sightings. If they're animals, are they unnatural? Really? Unnatural animals. Unnatural. Like Bigfoot. Well, like unusual a... reports of animals that are not found within the area, such as panthers, panthers and yeah. bears. Which is unnatural. Oh, my. Yes. To more supernatural <laughs> claims of giant snakes and enormous vicious Ooh. dogs. Snakes. Snakes. What were you going to say? I was going to say, like Skinwalker Ranch, you know, where they saw the, the pig dog hyena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a they had a very similar dog sighting at, in this, where it killed two horses. Yeah. Just ripped their throats out. And then wandered off I as, as they're shooting the UFOs at it. I those for two seconds, actually. Because well, let's do it. I find that amazing. Because according to one of my sources... This is the very first UFO sighting in the entire world, not just in America, because it was in 1760. I think it's actually in the research I gave you because, you know, me and my research. But <laughs> Ranker has an episode, uh, episode, sorry, uh, an article called Creepy Stories About the Bridgewater Triangle by Lauren Allen. And it's quoted saying, it was just another morning in New England in 1760 when a strange noise that no one could identify began echoing from the sky. Witnesses observed a strange glowing shape above, bright enough to cast a shadow in broad daylight. The light was reportedly seen in both Roxbury and Bridgewater, Massachusetts, by multiple people. The local papers recorded it, and it became the very first UFO sighting in the Bridgewater Triangle. It was the first many strange incidents to come. But in another article that I read, it was the very first UFO sighting in the entire world. Well, They get that distinction. Well, I mean, I'm a believer that there were probably UFOs being seen like when you have like Leonardo da Vinci painting these strange objects into the backgrounds of his paintings. Or like, I think it's Machu Picchu has like uh, sketchings in the wall of yeah. like mm-hmm. a guy in a rocket ship right. and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that, that well, they, was the first document. Documented. Yeah. yeah documented. Yeah. It was in newspapers. I think they've been, that's ar- cool. I think they've been around a long, long time. And I, actually that's going to be one of our upcoming episodes is going to be, pre-flight ufos because if if you have these documented cases of people in you know little towns in germany and things like that where they're reporting seeing these bright objects descend from the sky that are not meteors they're not falling they're doing like controlled descents coming down Mm -hmm. and then and then going back up very quickly and this is before airplanes. It's before yeah. airplanes. Yeah. Yeah. You, can't, yeah. you, know, you can't say it was that. And of course, some of these people are going, oh, that must have been an angel. Yeah. You know, that must of have course, been an angel. Yeah. You know, it was so bright you couldn't look at it. It must have been an angel. They just saw bright lights that were purple on Skinwalker Ranch. Newest episode. Did you watch it yet? Yes. What, uh, yeah. Did we? Last night's episode? Not last oh, night's. Oh, last night's. Oh, no, we didn't see last night's. <gasps> okay. No. I will not. Well, no, it was last week's, wasn't it? They were looking. Oh, yeah. So it was last oh, week. Light. Oh, yeah. yeah the purple light. light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we saw that one. They they went over the the, the footage. This man, you got to watch last week's episode. So good. Anyway, but going back to the UFO sightings, 
Um, there is actually another one that says here, on July 3rd, 1972, people in the South Shore area of Massachusetts looked up in the night sky and spotted a strange sight, a large triangular object that looked like a baseball diamond. It was reported to be translucent by many, and the local naval base received numerous calls inquiring about the object. To this day, no one has an answer as to what it was. The object was reportedly visible for over half an hour, and at least 26 people confirmed seeing it. And then they saw another one later, and... Multiple witnesses spotted fireballs in the sky in 2011. 21 separate reports were filed. But the triangle-shaped UFO was actually just confirmed by NASA in some from recent footage when they, like, you know, gave out all the information about UFOs. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, they're like, uh, what is it, Hudson, the Hudson? Oh, that story is cool. Yeah. Is it Hudson Valley? What is it? Yeah. Yeah, Hudson Valley lights and things. And Where, like, the entire highway interstate stopped and everyone got out of their cars yeah. and looked yeah. at this thing. You know, you have police officers calling it in. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. have police officers on recorded on the radio calling in, asking if they have confirmation, is this military? What is this? What am I yeah. looking at? And then describing it. And, you know, yeah, the triangle UFO, those are the ones that kind of get me because could they be military? Sure. Mm-hmm. Would the military be doing these things where they're flying these giant uh, triangle shaped craft slowly? Yeah. Th- over things that are the size of two <laughs> football fields. Over, yeah. Over People cities where everybody can see them. Get their phones out. Um, you know, yeah. the, the triangle craft creep me out. Because they don't feel like military. Mm-hmm. And then the question is, and they, they even don't necessarily feel alien. Like the, the, the shape of it, like if you're an interstellar being who can achieve anti-gravity or all these things, you don't need a flying wing. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So why clunky. is it, why is it triangular shaped? What does that mean? You know? Okay. New, new idea. French aliens. <laughs> Just looks prettier. Okay, Kung Pao. <laughs> yep, exactly. That's how I got the reference. Good. <laughs> but but I, I always kind of go back to this thing of like, okay, the things that we're seeing, are they nuts and bolts craft? Are they something else? And then I always keep thinking about the, the whole time as a flat circle and dimensionality and all that kind of stuff. And the idea that um, if we were two-dimensional people, and a three-dimensional being tried to stick the tip of its finger into our world, all we would see is a slice of that finger and have no concept of what that actually is okay, or what part of it it is or what it represents. And so what if sometimes when we're seeing these craft, it's actually something else or part of something else that in our dimensional reality only appears as that object? Or that shape. When people start talking about two dimensionals, three dimensions, I think of that episode with Sheldon on Big Bang Theory when he's like drunk trying to give a speech and he's like, oh. we're limited by our three dimensional thinking. And he's like, and here's Uranus. And I, lo- <laughs> I love that. My pants can go around. Anyway. But that's what I wonder. If, the, if places like Bridgewater or Ala- the Alaska Triangle or any of these places, Skinwalker Ranch, are these places where there are these points where these beings whatever they are can like dip their big toe into our reality and then it's like when it when it gets into our reality boom it's a triangle because that's all we can perceive it as 
I like to imagine that when they pop over into these triangles, it's like that meme of that little kid who's like run down the hallway and he goes, ooh, and he runs back away. <laughs> They're like, okay, I don't want to be here. Get out of here. <laughs> Not this one. Not this yeah. one again. It's very Lovecraftian of you mm. to think that. You know, like mm. to see something that you physically can't perceive or describe mm. and stuff like that. It makes that, you, you know? go so, insane. Yeah. Yeah, here it's really some like giant interdimensional that's going like, Mom, they started shooting at me again. <laughs> <laughs> They don't play nice. I fell off a tree. <laughs> these, these ants suck. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. This is the worst camping trip ever. I, I hate this ant farm. <laughs> Can I something else for Christmas? I want my Nintendo 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> but back to the actual conversation. <laughs> what were we talking about? This yes. is what Liminal Unlimited is it all is. about. Yes. 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 Great. Um, yeah, there's levity on my show. Usually we're just scaring people. But um, the whole vicious cult that's like in the woods, I do want to discuss that. But something else that's just so sad for me is that children have like disappeared, never to be seen again, Bridgewater Triangle area. And there are so many stories about that. I have stories about that. Do you okay, well, I got a couple here, then you can take over. Okay. Okay. So this is coming from my Bridgewater Triangle um, article. Multiple children have gone missing in the Bridgewater Triangle, and a few were never found. One story has a happier ending, though, because you know me and kids, so I'm going to be happy. Little Alden Johnson was playing with his sister when suddenly witnesses nearby heard a horrifying scream. When they went to see what was wrong, the boy was gone. Hundreds of volunteers and police searched for the boy. There was no trace of him. 24 hours later, the boy just walked out of the woods with a bundle of mud and twigs and asked a rescuer if they would like to buy some flowers. He seemed healthy and said he had no memory of the past day. The only thing that he did remember was that he was he felt compelled to go pick flowers because that would make him rich. No one knew where he went or how he was unharmed in the swamp overnight. Wow. So... He survived. Well, that's good. Wow. That's one good yeah. story. I went for the positives. Yeah. So tell me all the missing children stories, the sad ones. Well, I don't have like lots of missing children stories. What I have are Pukwudgie stories. Oh, well, we guess we had to hold off on those. Which then. goes into the missing children. It involves missing children. So we are not going to discuss that yet because the Pukwudgie is going to be all you. You get to sit there and wait. Up wait. the airy mountain, down the rushy glen. Yes. We daren't go hunting. For fear of little men. Um, I love that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow <laughs> in Song of Hiawatha says he actually mentions the Pukwaji and how they're gone. Yes. Hmm. They're mentioned all the time. And Henry well, But are say, they gone? They're not, no. Longfellow <laughs> wrote a lot about Native Americans, as I read to you last time. Anywho, but lots of people have gone missing, not just children. As you mentioned, the state forest, like, there's just some bad juju there, too. Mm-hmm. Because in the Bridgewater Triangle from U.S. Ghost Adventures, they actually said, Freetown Fall River State Forest is the site of various cult activities, animal sacrifices, ritualistic murders committed by local Satanists, as well as a number of gang murders and suicides. And also, in November of 1978, the body of Mary Lou Miranda, a 15-year-old cheerleader abducted from Rainham, Massachusetts, that September, was discovered tied to a tree in the forest. James M. Cater of Brockton, previously convicted of kidnapping in 1967, was also tied to the murder of Aranda in 1979. He was never truly punished for his supposed crime, as his guilty verdict was overturned in 1986 and was once again overturned in 1992 when he was retried. 
So we got that. There are also three more murders that happened in the in the forest, including a, the murder of a transient man mistaken for a police officer, and two men shot to death at Bell Rock Road. So lots of deaths happening in the forest itself. Yeah, my understanding is that, like the area is kind of a rough a rough place as it is. Um, you know, like especially with Rehoboth. Rehoboth, I think, had like a bunch of stories about just violence, just like mm. violence and crime and and things like that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of these things where I think that I'm a big believer that there are people out there who, whether or not practicing that stuff actually works for them in some strange way. Yeah. I think that there are these, um, pockets of people, uh, that truly believe in that stuff. Um, it's one of those things where we... There was the satanic panic of the 80s. Yeah. And then it kind of went away. And I think that it's it's not something that should come back. Like, I don't think you need to worry about seeing Satanists behind every trash can or something. But don't be fooled that there aren't pockets of people out there who believe this stuff and believe this stuff is real and believe this stuff works. And I mean, there's a lots of cultural scholars that have argued that sometimes just belief in the thing working is enough. Because you're imbuing that power to yeah. it too, yeah. Yep. The power of positivity, as I say, but there's also the power of negativity, right? I think that was like one of our first episodes with you on. We discussed that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't surprise me that there'd be disappearances. You know, there, there, there are multiple reasons why, um, you know, someone who's into the occult and who's into practicing, you know, black magic rituals and things like that, why they would want a young woman or mm-hmm. a child or anything like that. Um, and again, I don't think the stuff's real. I don't think that they're doing actually doing any magic, but they believe they it. They believe it, mm-hmm. yeah. And they the power of belief it. can be good or bad. And yeah. that's all they need. So did you learn anything about the creepy redhead? Did you ever read it? Did you read about that? Yeah. Redheaded hitchhiker. Redheaded yes. hitchhiker. Yes. Did you read like the story about it at all? Uh, I've read one story about it, but that was weeks ago, and it's so- gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, here it is. <laughs> a creepy redheaded hitchhiker roams the highway. And of course, if I don't say that redhead, like that—that's offensive. Just saying, any—it could be any color hair. But gingers, yeah, but this guy, gingers spe- have no soul. This, this guy specifically. Redhead. That's one disturbing ginger. It's always. <laughs> <laughs> but it's always the same guy. Listen, so- I'm just saying for my mom who has red hair. Anyway. He's not saying all redheads are creepy. And in Native American just, myth- mythology, I know, like. Redheads uh, are. Yeah. A lot of There's the red-headed the- giants mm-hmm. out west. Well, in, in many African cultures, the belief if you had red hair, you, you were, were a, witch. a witch. South America, too. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> one of the most famous legends of the Bridgewater Triangle is, what is of... It? I'm not going to tell you now. <laughs> <laughs> now there goes my podcast! <laughs> okay, okay. Thank you. Is of the red-headed hitchhiker on Route 44. Uh, as the man walked up the road on his way to find a payphone, he saw a red-headed stranger. He asked the man for help, but the man was silent. Upon asking a second time, the man noticed the stranger's face was contorted and ghostly. Out of fright, the man ran back to the car to tell his wife, who he found standing outside the car, terrified. 
When he asked what was wrong, she said that she'd turn on the radio and heard deranged laughter and a taunting voice that called her by name. There are several different versions of this tale, but this one is by far the spookiest. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> Regardless, so, I would not be okay with that. So yeah, in the Bridgewater Triangle documentary, um, the the filmmaker is like, I have looked everywhere for someone who has had a firsthand encounter with this guy. And it's always, oh, my cousin's friend, or I know this guy who knows a girl who knows a guy, mm. you know. And, and then he's like, I finally found someone who saw him. And because, like, he's like, legend is, if, you know, if you're driving down the road late December is when it always happens, he's in your back seat. Or if there are three of you in the car, <laughs> <laughs> if there are three of you in the car, he's in the, the fourth seat. You know, he's, like, wherever the occupied space is in the car. And uh, he's like, finally, I found one guy who had a firsthand account. And he said he was driving down the road. It was late December at night. And in the reflection of the windshield is like the face of the guy watching him for the duration of like this stretch of road. And then he's gone. <laughs> and when the filmmaker asked, like, would you go on record? Can I have your name? The guy never responded to any further phone calls oh, or emails. Come on. So hmm. he's like, that's the only firsthand account I got about this guy. <laughs> One becomes like an urban legend almost. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 There's so, there's so many of those. There's so many, you know, there's, uh, you know, women in white, women yeah. in black. Women in know. white. They're actually, they've seen those here in the Bridgewater Triangle as well. Yeah. Boogie, boogie, boogie. Yeah, well, I, you know, I mean, we talked about uh, on the episode that I was on talking about um, uh, Getter's Island. Yeah. And how, you know, uh, his wife that he murdered is now reported to be a woman in black that mm -hmm. walks the grounds of the Northampton County Country Club and and things like that. Um, yeah, it's one of these things where, like, you know, you got to take the that stuff with a grain of salt because yeah, yeah. Un unless you've seen it for yourself, it's just a story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. There's also a ghost trucker that terrorizes people. Large march. <laughs> <laughs> you just drive in. There's a big truck behind you honking the horn. No, I will not pull over. Stop honking. Where'd it go? Good. That's right. You get out of here. Like, I would just be annoyed by this truck. Yeah. Because I drive fast anyway. So, I'm like, listen, I, you want me to go faster? Because I'm going 20 miles over the speed. I mean, wait, the cops are listening. I'm kidding. I always drive the speed <laughs> limit. I never go faster. It sounds a little bit like Jeepers Creepers. Oh. You know, the truck screaming up behind yes. you and honking the horn. That truck is so cool. I love that truck. <laughs> it is cool. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that randomly because I just talked about Jeepers Creepers and passing yesterday in my classroom. Where'd you get synchronicities? This is the year, isn't it? Is this the, the 23rd, 23rd year? year? I saw it on Facebook. It must uh, be true. It has to be. Synchronicities. That's a fun movie. I like oh, that yeah. movie. The first one. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. After that gets stupid. That's why I said yeah. movie. It's <laughs> yeah. singular. Yeah. I actually yeah. I actually really like the second one. I the, watched it and it wasn't dad, terrible. The dad who becomes like Ahab, hunting, <laughs> hunting with a giant harpoon gun from the back of his pickup truck. It wasn't awful. We, we were talking about like, you know, like we were, I was discussing tropes of scary stories with the students because it's the end of the school year we're re reading, you know, scary stories for fun because they asked to read scary stories. And so we we're like making fun of these tropes that you see over and over again to the point where it becomes laughable. It's that dark humor. 
And they said, you know, we hate, we hate when you have those like unkillable monsters. Like how many times do you got to shoot something for it to finally die? Because I work in a small school. They're all hunters. Like, it, it, like we know how good our guns are. 30 out six go and take care of it. <laughs> That's like uh, so talking about from troopers. the guys who made Super Troopers. There's a like a murder spoof they did after Super Troopers uh, 1. Club Dread. Club Dread. And oh, it, my gosh. That one. <laughs> they're rowing off the away from the island. They're just legs kicking after them. <laughs> I love that movie. Do we have to watch that? I love that movie. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> before we get to the Pukwaji, because that I want to focus on that, because I just think it's so cool. Yeah, I don't know why they're so fascinating. Well, because I but... like the story of where they came from. Actually, I want to mention really fast a Bigfoot, because a Bigfoot has been seen. Yes. In this area, possibly so... skunk ape, because he stinks. He smells like a skunk. Bigfoot just needs to get a bath. He's bathing in a swamp. He's going to smell bad. All right. No, the other animals smell bad. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe skunk ape. All right. So who knows anything about the the Bigfoot? The Bigfoot. Or Uh, multiple Bigfoots. We don't know. It could be Big big Feet. Bigfoot. Big big Feets. I don't know how we would pluralize that. Big Feet. Big's Foot. Ooh. No. No. That's not how that works. No. It's Bigfoots, right? It has to be Bigfoots. Because big Bigfeet just sounds silly. Sasquatches. <laughs> Yeties. Actually, Sasquatch, is, <laughs> Sasquatch, I believe, is singular and plural. Like moose. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, honey. You're doing great. You're Pukwa PJ tonight. <laughs> so, yeah, there have been lots of sightings, I guess, of Bigfoots or Bigfoot-like creatures. Yeah. Um, the one I know is the guy rowing, uh, down, uh, like down through the lake and he's looking at the woods as he's going. And this thing is keeping pace with his boat in the woods mm-mm. and it has this long brown fur. Uh, and th- that's one thing they noticed is like, um, a lot of, uh, cause there's one sighting where it's like a bunch of them. And they had orange for like orangutans, which is mm-hmm. you know unique yeah. to that area. Which yeah. is one of the the kind of um, it, it's a it's an interesting theory and also kind of a goofy theory in the same breath, is that these are like descendants of um, Gigantopithecus. You Watch know? your mouth. Yes. <laughs> okay, we don't yeah, swear. They don't swear on our show. <laughs> we swear on our show. FYI. <laughs> But Gigantopithecus was basically like a giant (laughs) orangutan um, that walked on two legs. And, I mean, if you put a Gigantopithecus next to a Bigfoot. Third time. (laughs) They would would be like almost the same creature. Huh. You know, and they they existed for, you know, however many millions of years before uh, they supposedly died off. There's just very few of them now, that's all. That's all. So here's a story from BigfootEncounters.com. Ooh. What is it? It's legit uh, now. The Bigfoot of Bridgewater. Is it a man beast or Hawkamock Croc? <laughs> or, <laughs> or a beast man. By Ed Hayward. So, okay. Like his father and his grandfather before him, John Baker was out in the swamp in the pitch black of night running trap lines for muskrat. A firearm on his hip, Baker worked for from his canoe on a section of the Hockamock River just a mile or so from his West Bridgewater home. But the peace and quiet trapping demands were undone that night as fear set in on the woodsmen. 
the cold thought that something was watching him. Something was following me, and I knew it was big, said Baker 48. I love you give the accents to, like, I, I, I do too. I mean, I guess he's from Massachusetts, so he wouldn't sound like No, that. he's... Something <laughs> was following me, and I knew it was big. <laughs> Is that a Massachusetts accent? Park, I don't think of Park JFK. Park, Park the car in Harvard, yeah. <laughs> it was a Bigfoot. So I took the boat down a small creek to a dry hill, and it kept moving. <laughs> As he paddled quietly, he could hear the shambling gait of the man-beast shatter the thin crust of swamp ice. He stopped and watched as the shadowy, hair-covered giant strode a few yards away. I knew it wasn't a human, because when it passed me by, I could smell it, said Baker. It smelled like skunk, musty and dirty, like it lived in the dirt. Or the swamp. Again, he's got some dirty water, okay? He can't help it. To a man who had spent more than 30 years of his life working in the swamp, the early 1980s encounter was unlike any other event. My heart was up in my throat, said Baker, who punctuates his sentences with a quick, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? To this day, I don't know what it was, but I know I saw it, and it was out there. Um, so cool. I got one here, yeah. too. So, um, we're talking 1970. Residents reported seeing a hairy seven-foot monster running through their yards, sometimes on all four legs. Local and state police conducted a lengthy manhunt for a giant bear, yet no such animal was ever spotted or captured. On April 8, 1970, two officers were parked in a police cruiser near the swamp. Suddenly, the rear end of the car lifted into the air and then dropped with a loud bang. The officers quickly spun the car around and trained their spotlight on something hairy resembling a bear as it ran on two legs behind a house. A thorough search of the area commenced, but no bear or any other creature was ever found. A hunter once shot a large animal in the woods that ran off and gave a half-human, half-animal cry. Later, he found brown hair and blood on some leaves along the path the creature fled down. A woman in West Bridgewater heard a noise one night in her yard. She looked out her window and saw a large bipedal creature eating a pumpkin in her yard. Sorry, this is sick of all things. The hairy animal looked at her through the window with reddish-orange eyes, then with a grunt took off with the pumpkin into the woods. Oh, no, the I know. Um, but I just, again, when you have belief, like I always like, you know, I trust people when they tell stories because they, I believe what they believe. But when you have police officers included. Who have to file reports yeah. on this later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, again, I, it gives a little more credence. That came from the Yankee Express. I think you used uh, one of their mm-hmm. episodes to, or one of their articles to. There's a Thunderbird too. story yes. reported by a cop. Yeah. yeah so, which actually was reported by two children as well. Mm-hmm. And they didn't realize that there was also this, um, you know, Sergeant Downey who had also um, kind of filed a report. Do you want to hit that one up? Go ahead. Because I yeah. love Thunderbirds. I mentioned in the last episode, a beautiful idea. Again, trying to explain the natural world. Very mythological. Mm-hmm. But possibly real. Yeah, I think yeah. they're real. So this is from a page called Beyond the Bridgewater Triangle. Um, so there have been more than a few sightings of the infamous Thunderbird in the Bridgewater Triangle. So Thunderbird, giant bird, pterodactyl. Type 12 foot wingspan. Yeah, sometimes bird. described as a pterodactyl, yeah. sometimes described as a, like a giant hawk or even yeah, from, some kind of raptor. Yeah. Native American right. beliefs that it carries a lake on its back and when it tips, the water comes out and that's how you have rain. And when it flaps its wings, that's where the lightning comes from. And the, thunder. And thunder, yes. And the that's eyes. That's a big yeah. bird. That's how they, well, you know, again, like my comparison to Zeus, that's how you mm-hmm. try to explain the natural world. But anyway, continue. Turtles all the way down. Turtles, well, they, the Wampanoag, yes, and this entire group believes yeah. in the turtle world. That's right. 
<laughs> yep. Absolutely. Uh-huh. And the three sisters. Moving on. So, Police Sergeant Thomas Downey was driving home from work one very late summer night when he had a very strange encounter with a Thunderbird as he slowed at an intersection. The officer claimed that a six-foot-tall winged creature was standing in the middle of the road. The creature looked at him and then darted straight up in the air. As it rose up in the air and flew into the woods, Downey noticed that the creature had a wingspan of 8 to 12 feet. This report appeared in the Boston Magazine article in 1980. Um, Another famous Bridgewater He saw that in 1971, right? That's when he saw it? Uh, And Downey refuses to give interviews on it, too. Yeah. Because he went and he actually told the the office and uh, they made fun of him. He's like, no, really, I saw Because you have to. Sarge, Sarge, Tom Downey here. Tom Downey out here. I'm on, I'm on Route 4. You're not going to believe this, Sarge. I saw a damn Thunderbird. <laughs> <laughs> not again. No, not the movie. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, Sarge, Sarge. This isn't like the time I thought I saw Burt Reynolds. <laughs> In a firebird, and I just kept screaming "firebird, firebird, firebird" into the into the radio. This was like a real th- like a bird. Because <laughs> I have one from 1988 with two boys. Mm-hmm. Is it the one that you have too? Uh, two youths. Yes. So, um, I'm sorry. Youths. So first, another famous Bridgewater Triangle Thunderbird legend is the dueling Thunderbirds. The story goes that two huge black birds were seen in the swamp fighting in the air. One with a banjo, one with a guitar. Um, so yeah, one sighting in 1988 involving two young boys who followed enormous three-toed tracks into the woods only to encounter a terrifying creature with a black wrinkled face, dark feathers, and long brown legs that dangled behind it as it flew off into the forest. The other Thunderbird sighting reported in Weird New England occurred in 1992 in Taunton. Both of these accounts have eyewitnesses reporting the same wingspan as Thomas Downey, about 12 feet. In 1993, a mother and daughter found an enormous black bird dead in a field behind their house in Middleborough. They dragged it back to the house, wrapped its remains in aluminum foil, and put it in an empty trash can. <laughs> aluminum foil? Yeah, and then they had to go out, and when they returned to the house, they found that the evidence of what they believed to be a Thunderbird was gone, sadly. They should have oh my already God. dragged off by some kind of animal. Oh my God, sissy, sissy, get me the, give me the, give me the foil. All that remained, <laughs> <laughs> all that remained, but were scraps of aluminum foil littered all over the ground. Or was it aluminium? Aluminium, aluminium. Foil. I don't think anybody in this area says aluminium. <laughs> Maybe no. someone thought it was a baked potato. If they had used glad wrap, it wouldn't have happened. That's what you get when you use aluminum foil. All right. So that takes us through pretty much all the cool cryptid stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, so I want to move now into the Hockamock Swamp because this is what I find, and I'm going to use my word, interesting. Do we want to do Kyle's creepy thoughts first? Yes, we do. <laughs> Before we get dirty in the swamp. Because we're, yeah. well, we're, that's kind of we're the focusing thing. on Native Americans now, so we want your story. Yeah. And to the head swamp in. is like our end stretch, you know? Yep. Everything else is swamp related. So, Kyle's creepy thought. I think one of the people. I thought it would be a good idea if we turned I think it's some the the girl. I thought it would be be a good idea if we. I thought I thought it would be a good idea. I thought I thought it would be a good idea. Good idea. And the the girl from Ringu. This is bad. This is really bad. It's Amuija. It ages like a fine wine. 
So after listening to your Indian burial grounds episode, um, and uh, the idea that you know a lot of this is like conjecture and you know uh, maybe settler guilt and all that kind of stuff, um, it it's in back in Easton where I'm from, Easton, Pennsylvania. Uh, we have the Easton Public Library. And the Easton Public Library, when they decided uh, that they wanted to, where they wanted to put it, uh, it's on Northampton Street, um, but the place where they put it was actually in use as a cemetery. And it was uh, a German Reformed Church cemetery, but it was in disuse because the German Reformed Church had kind of gone out of fashion in Easton at that time. Um, and we're talking like 1800s. I don't remember the exact year. Um, so there weren't very many people buried there and they hadn't been putting any new people in there. And so what they did, what the city of Easton did was they wanted to put the library there. They thought that was the best place. So they tried to contact the families of everyone buried in the cemetery. At least they did that. (laughs) Well, so... The only bodies that actually got moved were the ones that were claimed. So, (laughs) my, my, those bodies got moved to the Easton Cemetery, which is like a very large cemetery. Mm -hmm. Um, The other bodies were put in a mass grave on part of the property, and then the public library was built. And now, um, let me look up the name of the, the first librarian. Because that's kind Marian? of important. What? Marion the librarian. librarian. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but at least they called and asked. Did, did you listen to last week's episode yet for us? No. Okay, so at least it's not Walmart because Walmart is known to just destroy Native American areas, especially burial grounds, because they won't call them cemeteries. They call them burial grounds only, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's one story, it's just recent actually, where 2015. They, they wanted to, you know, build a building and they put all these bodies in a trailer and left them there for three years. Oh, you were, you were telling us about this. Yeah, yeah on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Yeah. Why? Yeah, I still don't understand well, that. Well, and PJ even said in that episode, and it's, it's true. Like, on a selfish level, they should have just been like, we need that trailer back. You know, like... Well, I guess we'll bury the bodies. Let's body. get rid yeah. of the bodies they and put them somewhere. And yeah, bury them. They could do a mass grave, yeah. you know? It just... It floors me how Let's people see. abuse that. Yeah. Yeah. So at least Easton tried to do it right, and at least yeah. they did do a mass burial. Yeah. Again, I would rather have them on hallowed ground to put them in their own little areas if they had tombstones, the tombstones get it back. But it's better than Walmart. Yeah. Yes. So also with Native American burial grounds in the documentary I was watching, uh, there's this one guy talk, talking about it, um, about all the activity and the triangle and everything. He's like, I really think that if the wampum belts ever recovered, then the activity will stop. I think that's the source of all this. And as, as he says this, the boom lights go out <laughs> and, wow. and they're like, we just lost our lights right now. And so they like turn on a secondary one. He's like, Oh my God, seriously. And they're like, yeah, he goes, all right, guys, if I knew where it was, I would totally give it back to you. 
And as he's saying that, the secondary light goes out and he starts oh cussing up a storm and they're like, dude, don't say that. Like, you need to be respectful right now. And he's he's ignoring them completely and just, you know, swearing away. <laughs> so uh, the Easton Public Library. Wow. So uh, there's actually there's two people that are actually buried other than the mass grave. Mm -hmm. There's two people that were properly buried on the property. And that was um, the very first uh, librarian, uh, Elizabeth Morgan, uh, Mammy Morgan, they called her. She's buried on the property. You, you can go visit her grave. Almost Marion. <laughs> and also uh, William Parsons, who was the architect of the original Easton Public Library, he is buried on the property as well. Hmm. Um, however, all the people from the original cemetery that was there um, that did not get claimed were put into this mass grave on the property. Now, what happened was they wanted to uh, they wanted to expand the parking lot. Oh no! And so when they when they laid down the parking lot, this new section of parking lot, um, after a short amount of time, it was noticed that that piece of parking lot had begun to like sag, and there was this oh, big no. dip. And the water would collect in there. And, there's, and so they began to fear that they had a sinkhole. Yeah, I can see that. Um, that was a hole. But, <laughs> That's something. But when they excavated it to try to fix it and lay down a new piece of asphalt, um, the, as they were digging with the, you know, front end, the backhoe or whatever, uh, bones came up. No. Because honey, here... No. Those bodies, the, the skeletons of those people had been put into a concrete vault, a large concrete vault that was buried under the ground in this one section mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and had kind of, I guess, been forgotten about. Apparently. And so what happened was when the asphalt got laid down, the vault caved in oh and began to sink. And so, yeah, so... Didn't they make a note of that? Like, where they yeah, put right. the bodies? <laughs> there wasn't, a, like, a memorial marker or anything for the mass grave? No. No. Jeez. So it was a little bit of a case of, you know, poltergeist, you moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. <laughs> yeah. Oopsie doodle. And so the reason that I bring all this up is because Easton Public Library is one of the most haunted buildings in... Uh, the city of Easton or possibly in Northampton County. Um, Elizabeth Mammy Morgan has been seen, observed amongst the stacks, like Ghostbusters style, like the opening scene of Ghostbusters. Hmm. She has been seen amongst the stacks, like looking at the books. I think it's residual then or intelligent? No, she interacts. She does? Okay. Yeah, she interacts. And there's been other things. There's There has been books falling off of shelves. There's actually... Um, and I, I never did get confirmation on this, but supposedly there is a upstairs section that is like, normally most libraries have like a section for books that like you're allowed to like just view, but not actually yeah, check yeah. out yeah. and things like that. Atlases and stuff, yeah. Supposedly there is an upstairs area where they have, uh, they have that section, but they put that section in there because most people don't come in wanting to see those books. But also because that was the area of their building where there was the most activity. And it actually frightened the librarians so much. So they basically made that 
area, that upstairs area, a section where you don't have to go there very often. Yeah. Wow. No go zone. <laughs> um, and so, so is it a curse? No, but it's bad I, juju. I yeah. disturbed some. It disturbed these people's graves. Yeah. Well, and there are a lot of, of religions you where your body's supposed to stay whole, and if it's not whole, you can't be happy in the afterlife. That's what the Navajo believe, you know. Yeah. And so I feel like you need to respect their belief systems. Like um, uh, Vatican I Catholics believe your body is your temple and you have to be buried whole, which is why PJ's, you know, your, your mom wanted to be buried and be embalmed. Yeah. Whereas. Was never an organ donor. Either. Yeah. For us, like we're, we're Vatican too. So we're like, yeah, cremate, let's go. It's cheaper and it's easier and it's on the environment. Anyway. Yeah. So we're different, you know, but you have to honor those, those belief systems. I want to be terramated. Is that the tree thing? Well, or composted. Composted, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't want to be, but if I had to choose. But yeah. So, <laughs> well, considering like um, I recently learned that all graves, at least in Pennsylvania, you know, in a lot of states, are in concrete vaults. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know, like, so you never really decompose and become one with the earth you, yeah you're just in this like concrete box yeah you well, basically we'll be decomposed because we're gonna be but, cremated so we're gonna be a little well yeah yeah basically you almost kind of mummify like you, yeah. you mummify and then slow slowly you do skeletonize this is yeah. what the podcast show is about. <laughs> um science but no, I just I I used to read up on that stuff. There was a time yeah. in my life. I, where I only just mortician. learned that like two years yeah, ago. Yeah, where I thought I was. Yeah, there was a time in my life where I thought about being a mortician, and so I had I had read tons of I'd read about forensic anthropology and yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah, seriously, and, like two years ago, I learned that though. Yeah, yeah. because uh, from our friend Pastor Martin, mm -hmm. because uh, you know, like if you bury someone with personal effects and things like that, they don't want to contaminate the ground. So, yeah. right, concrete box. Cremation. You put like your entire family in one burial plot. Yep. Moving on. <laughs> but anyway, that was my creepy thought because it made me think of the the, the library. library. And I think that's perfect because it goes really cool. right into the Hockamock Swamp. Then, because mm -hmm. I think like you know when you have some people who were killed during that war, even before if it was a burial ground, you're talking that there are these people there who want to be at rest and they can't be you know but um if you look at the bridgewater triangle um u.s ghost adventures i like how they describe the hockamock swamp it says central to the triangle so it's right in the middle is a wet soggy place known as hockamock swamp the name itself lends credit to the claims as it translates to the place where spirits dwell english colonizers even called it the devil swamp for its strange activity Orbs of light are reported to flit and float over the swamp during the early morning hours, as well as just before the sun sets. During the 17th century, the Hockamock Swamp was used as a fortress by the Wampanoag tribe against the invasion of English settlers. The Wampanoag people used the swamp as a sacred burial ground, and a spirit called the Hobomock was said to live deep within the waters of the area. Hobomock, composed of human souls, was the chief deity of death and disease. He is said to still reside in the swamp and could explain the reported orbs and activity that comes out of the swamp throughout the years. So that's your backdrop. You know, you have this creepy swamp, which actually was very sacred and important to the, the people because they could hunt there all year round. It was a burial ground. It was a sacred place to be. And then it kind of gets destroyed a little, little lot and it ticks off some people. So that leads us into the discussion of the... The Pukwudgie. The Pukwudgie. Um, so PJ is ready because he's Pukwa PJ this evening. Um, 
which I love. Now, do you have the background on how the Pukwaji came into being? Not how they came into being, but then I got a, you. a lot of everything else before that. Okay. Can I tell the backstory of the Pukwaji then? How they were created? Sure. Yes. All right. Because the Wampanoag actually believe this. This is part of their, their belief system. Can I just give what the translation of their name yes, means? Yes, you can. Little wild man in the woods that vanishes. Aww. That's so cute. <laughs> That's adorable. So cute. Anyway, <laughs> I'm going to move on to this. So Legends of the Pukwaji began in connection to Moshapa creation giant believed by the Wampanoag to have been to have created most of Cape Cod. Yes. He was beloved by the people and the Pukwajis were okay, then Bland. you go ahead. No, you go. You that go. was the creation story. So you do it. <laughs> well, they existed though. He didn't create them. They just existed. Well, yes, but he so anyways, Stop fighting. You go. You go. <laughs> the Pukwajis became jealous of the affection the natives had for mm -hmm. Mashop. They tried to help the Wampanoag, but their efforts were always backfired until they eventually decided to torment them instead. They became mischievous and aggravated the natives until they asked Quant, Moshop's wife, for help. Moshop collected as many as he could. He shook them until they were confused and tossed them around New England. Some died. But others landed, regained their minds, and made their way back to Massachusetts. And so there's a story of how they, you know, end up killing his, his five children. Yes. And maybe even him. Possibly even him. Himself. By getting him into the water. Good. Yes. So that is the background. These yeah, guys so, pre So Mashop taught them. Yeah, like this is pre-settlers and everything. Yep. This is old. Um, and they were, well, are in terms of mythology, mm -hmm. like, the same as fairies from European lore. Like they're Absolutely. they're tricksters. Uh, they're you know they're mischievous and all that. If you um, if you annoy them or bother them, they will come at you. Uh, <laughs> but bro, uh, yeah. So they they've always been known as like these little trickster things, but never like mean spirited until Mashop the giant taught everyone how to fish and how to grow things on the land and all that. And um, and humans' affections changed towards them, and so that's when they start become evil. But they would um, like turn the mosquitoes, like swarms of mosquitoes, and chase people away from areas, and then laugh. Uh, they would shoot finger-sized arrows at people. Mm -hmm. uh, they would my favorite, well, not my favorite, but um, like the most interesting one in terms of like which made me think of fairies as well, is they would turn into fireflies mm -hmm. and lure children away into the woods, oh. which is what I was getting at with the missing children mm. stories there. And, uh, and it still kind of happens today where like suicidal tendencies are real big in the swamp mm -hmm. and a lot of people blame it on the Pugwaji, uh, how they'll just like get into your head and kind of like possess you and lure you out into the woods, never to be seen again. Um, yeah, they're known as shapeshifters because of all that. And uh, I have here a firsthand account. One of... thing too is is interesting is how you have the the will the wisp kind of thing pop up there too. You know, mm -hmm, yeah. So you have all this different folklore and. These stories... All very much like fairies. So yeah. much like fairies. And it you know? predates because Native Americans lived for a long time before some many Europeans. Mm -hmm. So I just love how cultures have these archetypes, you know? It yeah. shows that we came from somewhere. Yeah. You know, that we, we all yeah. have some kind of connectedness. Also, every continent has dragon stories. Yes, they do. Just saying. Jesus killed dragons. <laughs> he did! 
It's one of the quote-unquote, yeah, the, uh, deleted scenes of the Bible. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. He Jesus killed. killed the dragon. Well, he never kills them. He just talks them down. Because they needed a place to stay as they were traveling. Um... Because uh, Jesus was kind of like a, he a he's kind of like a brat uh, in his early years and turned kids into puddles. Um, until, <laughs> until Mary said, "Put that back." Yeah, uh, yeah. People Mary. people like showed up at Joseph's house and they're like, "You need to do something about this kid." Like he just turned their these kids into puddles because they stomped in a puddle and got him wet. And so, and so, so they're like, put them back. Now who's <laughs> wet? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So anyways. The, now the, who's wet, Ezekiel. <laughs> so they had to travel and they ended up in a cave, which had three dragons in it. And he like talked the dragons down so they could stay there for the night. Why is this not in the Bible? <laughs> That's awesome. I know. I heard there's another scene where he drives like a Mustang off of a bridge <laughs> and lands it. And then he looks at the camera and goes, there's nothing stronger than the family. family. <laughs> I don't remember that in my Bible class. And they drove off into the sunset. There's nothing more family than family. <laughs> oh, boy. Back to book watching. Oh, all right. So. Well, and, and almost every culture, like we talked about the Kushtika mm-hmm. on one of, Bless our, you. one of our recent episodes. Do you need a tissue? And uh, the, they're like Bigfoot-sized otter-headed creatures. Oh. And, well, no. And what they, they what they do horrible. is they mimic the cries of a baby in the oh, woods. Oh, that's those, yeah. Oh. And it's to lure and you to come you out man, and yeah. find the baby, and then they eat you. Yeah, he's rip you yeah. to shreds. Or, make, or they turn or, you into. Or turn you, like, Wendigo like style into, like, a fellow Kushtika. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd go. I I like otters. <laughs> anyway, Pukwaji. All right, so here is a firsthand account of man Bill Russo who encountered a Pukwaji. Perhaps the most intriguing, yet lesser-known report of a cryptic animal sighting in the Hockamock Swamp occurred in 1919. Former Raynham resident William Russo will never forget his amazing up-close-and-personal encounter. Back in the late 1980s to about the mid-1990s, I was working a three-to-midnight shift in the town of Raynham where I lived, and that's where my strange happening occurred. When I got off work, Every night at midnight, I'd walk my dog, Samantha. She was a Rottweiler Shepherd mix, big, around 90 pounds. Now, usually we walked on the sidewalks towards the center of town. But in this particular night, we walked a different route. I I don't really know why, but we did. Right behind my house is an area we called the High Tees, claimed by the electric company. They run those high-tension wires. It's about 50 feet across and overgrown with 100-foot pines. So it's kind of like a route for kids who want to take shortcuts and who knows what kind of wildlife during the day and at night, maybe stranger things. I went perhaps a half a mile when I came to an old water wheel that ran an early ironworks back a couple of hundred years ago. And there's a street light at this road, and the street light casts a big circle of light right in the middle of the street, about a 10-foot radius. So as I approached the road, all of a sudden, Sammy, my dog, started to pull at the leash, and I looked down, and she was quivering. She was shaking. She was rattling like an old Chevy. And then a few moments later, I heard what was scaring the dog. It was a high-pitched 
almost a wail. And it went like this, it went, I want you, I want you, here, here, I want you. Now the hairs on my back of my neck started to go up and Sammy, of course, she was just absolutely in terror. And suddenly I saw something walk. It was erect, standing straight up. It walked into the middle of that circle of light that was cast by the street lamp. It was about three or four feet tall. It had a pot belly. And as I walked a little closer, I saw that it wasn't clothed. It had hair that was maybe three, four inches long, totally covered in hair. It had eyes that were perhaps a little big for its head, but not hugely disproportionate. The face perhaps looked like the chipmunk. At first I thought it was a child, but as I analyzed it, I, I thought it was in the beginning stages of old age. I don't think it was young. Whatever it was, it wasn't young, but it was speaking. I mean, it definitely speaking, and it kept saying, E want you, E want you, get more insistent. And it started beckoning me. Kia, Kia, E want you. It wasn't threatening me, but what was weird, it wasn't advancing to me. It didn't come near me. It wanted to get me in its space. This is what I felt like. I wish I could say that I was brave enough to go right up and, you know, get that close from it, but I couldn't. I was scared. And my Sammy, Samantha, was scared, so we turned around and we walked home pretty fast. And I stayed <laughs> up the whole night analyzing, what could this be? What could this be? And here's what I think it was saying. My best guess is, E want you is, we want you. We want you. Here. Here, come here, come here. I think it was speaking English. I rarely told anyone about it. I didn't know at the time the stories about the Bridgewater Triangle. I've never seen anything paranormal. I just didn't feel like sharing the story, but you know, that was almost 20 years ago. Okay, so then he so goes to talk about from? how he goes public. Hmm? What, what, that came from a documentary. What is, what's the documentary? It's uh, just called Bridgewater Triangle. It's on Amazon and YouTube. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. free. Uh, YouTube has ads. If you have Amazon Prime, it's free. Well, there you go. You know, so no ads. Listeners, if you're interested, I mean, I'm looking at it on YouTube right now, just type in the Bridgewater Triangle documentary. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. Um, that uh, that story, I know we both heard from the lore podcast, podcast Lore. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, that story, That's if true, right? you notice, mm -hmm. there is a cut in, in the episode um, as... Uh, as he was talking because um he he says like it happened for a while like the thing before he saw it he can hear it saying like here here he wants you and to the point where it got so loud and intense and repetitive that started to sound like a siren like oh, wow. yeah in terms of its cadence and everything well did you hear the, did you read, find the story about joan she has a very similar story actually oh really yeah so it says, this is from the same article I was using earlier. Um, I, I always like to mention the articles I'm using. So it's, I want to say this is from the Yankee Press. If not, it is from um, Story Bell and the, the Pujwaji. But it says, Joan was walking her dog through the state forest in Freetown on a cold Saturday morning in April when she saw the monster. As she and her dog, Sid, walked down the path, Sid became anxious and strayed a few feet into the woods. Joan followed him in and stopped short. Her dog was lying completely flat in the leaves, and on a rock ten feet away was a pukwaji. She described him as looking like she would describe a troll. 
Two feet high with pale gray skin and hair on his arms and the top of his head, the monster seemed to have no clothes, but it was difficult to tell because his stomach hung over his waist, almost touching his knees. His eyes were a deep green, and he had large lips and a long, almost canine nose. The Pukwaji stood watching her, staring straight at her with no expression, almost like it was stunned to see her. Joan froze and remembers thinking that the air in her lungs had been pushed out. Sid finally came to and ran back towards the, tra the trail, dragging Joan with her. And, of course, she was holding onto that leash very tightly. And it says that the whole exchange took less than 30 seconds. But even after 10 years, she has not gone back to that forest. Yeah. It so affected her. Yeah. So I have a couple more stories from that forest. So that's Joan. But I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, my gosh, this sounds so much like the story from Lore Podcast. Yeah. Because the Pukwaji are supposed to look like anything because they can shapeshift, but the general discussion is they're between two and three feet. Mm -hmm. They have like the hedgehog, like porcupine kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Front looks like a troll, back looks like a porcupine uh, mm -hmm. is how they're typically yeah. seen. So anyway, continue with your stories. Yeah, sir. so next one is actually an EVP session that was done in the woods. Oh. So this is real quick. Is this also from, from the, the same documentary? documentary? Yeah. Okay. Th there are two EVPs. One of them, it's indecipherable. I don't know how they got what they heard from the second one. <laughs> yeah. uh, but here's this. This one's pretty cool, though. One investigator got what sounded like a woman dancing around her, just saying, la, 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 la. And she found it very interesting because at the time she made the recording, there was absolutely no ambient sound. It's all right for you to do that. So, there's that. That's pretty cool. You're in danger, girl. You best run. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to apologize to Jackie, too, because uh. she told me, she's like, you know, you keep saying, I'm quoting Kyle, you best run. You're in danger, girl. You know, it's from Goldberg. Cause I'm like, listen, Kyle says it, Jackie, <laughs> and he says it adorably. So the Molly. You in danger, girl. <laughs> I love that movie. It's such a good movie. All right. So next up. I got to say that that was a really good EVP, though. Like, I heard right? that. Isn't that yeah. freaking creepy? I'm like, like really creepy. All right, I'm out. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's the last one. This is some investigators going uh, out. And I believe I have it set at the right time where they'll explain the context of it here. Nate. A bizarre incident was caught on camera while filming a segment for Chris Balzano's book and DVD, Picture Yourself Ghost Hunting. The following clip features a woman named Maureen struggling with what some investigators claim was possession at the hands of a Pukwudgie. Maureen! Push him up. Ron, you still connected here. Ron, watch her going back too far. So she's just kind of standing there in a trance. Come on, Maureen, fight him. Oh, come on, Maureen. Don't let her go back too far, Ron. Don't let her get in the Yeah. They're trying to restrain her. She's growling and hissing. Oh, leave this fight! Leave this fight! It's not your own! Leave it! I don't think it's working. According to camera operator Andrew Lake, 
A strange light was later seen in the distance as Maureen recovered from the alleged attack. Dang. So. That was crazy. Now, is is that... Wow. They can, is that like a thing that they can possess you? The, yeah, because yeah, the, they will yeah. lure people off. Like, there's um, a couple stories of people who they'll wake up standing on a rock, like, looming over a mm -hmm. cliff and, you know, like, about to jump. Once like they're by, they'll let you put it in quotes because they'll lure you. They like they they put you in a trance and then you end up there yeah. and they push you off the cliff, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. They've been known to push people off of cliffs, uh, things like that. Oof. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah that that was. What what's that from? Is it? It's the like same, from the same documentary. The same, guys, y'all <laughs> gotta hop on YouTube and watch it. Like, dang, that is that's a, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was like super strong. I, I actually, yeah, like, that guy was like, that guy had a lot more weight yeah. than she did, and he's yeah. on her, and she's still pushing them I up. I have goosebumps yeah. right now. Yeah. That, that freaked, that that freaked really me out. Actually. I did not like that. Yeah. Well, you know what? It, it reminds me of immediately um, being, especially that it's New England. It reminds me of Rip Van Winkle. Oh yeah, because that's the whole idea is that Rip Van Winkle is lured away. While he's up hunting in the in the the hills in the mountains, Washington Irving stole every single story from the Germans, <laughs> though. So, hence the name Rip Van Winkle. Well, there were a lot of Germans that lived up in that area of New York, and and yeah. it's a story retold. He just he just put it in the setting of New England. <laughs> Listen, I'm an English teacher. I but, love Washington but Irving. But that's what happens but... to Rip Van, Rip Van Winkle. He's he's hunting, and then he's lured away by these little mm -hmm. men with promises of. You know, fun and ale and and all these things, and then next thing he, he finds out, he's been gone. A you long know, time. yeah, decades. Yeah, you know, oh, and he comes and he and he comes back, and and friends of his are dead, and everyone is old, and his children are grown. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's uh, yeah, it's like a, a great description of what might happen if you ran into some puckwudgies. I love how so much of the. Um, the origin short stories uh, of America. Cause you know, Rip, uh, Washington Irving has a distinction of being America's first, like full American writer. Cause I mean, his name's Washington who's born in the actual America once we had won. But like all of our, you look at these stories, like him from like from, uh, from Longfellow and from him and from all these different people, like they're writing about this stuff in the 1800s, hundreds of years after the Pukwudgie were supposed to ever, you know, have been created or whatever have lived. But they, they put it in their, their short stories and their poems and their whatever, you know. I think that's just kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like it had to be worrisome for them too in the 1800s. Like he wouldn't just choose... I mean, right. he stole, he stole from Germany, <laughs> but you know, he creates Sleepy Hollow, you know, of course the devil and Tom Walker, it resides itself is in the swamp where he meets t uh, the devil. And of course later goes back there, you know, cause we're the whole buried treasure is, but he's at this old Indian burial ground slash fort area, you know? So it's kind of interesting to see all of this native American and, um, you know, Bridgewater triangle stuff kind of pop up over and over again. And some of our like original short stories and poems of that time period. Yeah. Well, uh, it's funny because I I referenced a, a little bit of a poem earlier, and most people might know that poem about the the little men uh, from uh, if you watched Gene Wilder in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate yeah. Factory, <laughs> because he recites the, like the first line of the poem, um, but it's a poem called The Fairies by William Allingham, and there's actually a stanza in the poem. 
They stole little Bridget for seven years long. When she came down again, her friends were all gone. They took her lightly back between the night and morrow. They thought that she was fast asleep, but she was dead with sorrow. They have kept her ever since, deep within the lake, on a bed of flag leaves, watching till she wake. Actually, my closing quote is going to be uh, The Stolen Child by Yeats. No, <laughs> changelings. Yeah, the, I, Yeats, oh man, like that. Anyway. Fairies, man. Fairies will get you. It is a strange thing that, that in, in so many cultures around the world, especially cultures that are built off of ancient foundations, you know, like you talk about like the, the Irish and the Scottish, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking about people coming, descending from the Celts and the yep. Picts and, and, and all these people. And, and then you have the uh, Native Americans uh, passing down these stories of these little men, mm-hmm. these little yeah. men that will come and get you and whisk you away or try and at the very least trick and fool you, you know, yeah. to be, to be aware of them that, you know, it depends. Are they are they interested today in having fun, or are they are they interested today in a meal? You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just I love archetypes because I it to me proves that we had to have all come from one place. You know, to have these similar stories. It just there's no there's, it's common mythology. Yeah, there there's just no way like the Native Americans came from America. Like that there is no way for them to have even been near the the scottish because there was only what was that arch that one area you could have walked back in the day between russia and alaska the Bering Strait. Yeah. yeah so like I, I i love archetypes because it proves that there's some kind of connection between all of us that we all came from somewhere because mm-hmm. even the jesus story is gilgamesh you know jesus himself is an archetype of the sacrificial redeemer you know i believe in jesus he, i'm a catholic but gilgamesh if you read the, the ancient stories of gilgamesh you see all the connections and you see a very obvious Lilith, you know, and he, he's cutting down a tree to get rid of this, the snake that's in the tree. It's just, it's kind of cool to see these archetypes kind of play out. And Gilgamesh came before uh, Jesus did. Mm-hmm. So that's why I put stock in the Pukwaji at least, because you see it in the folklore of your people, of our people, you know, because I should mention that you're not from around here, Kyle. Your ancestors are from? Oh, uh, Scotch-Irish. That's right. On on one side, on the rocks, and then and <laughs> then double. and then actually, um, oh, most most likely English, but probably descended from like Anglo-Saxon on the other side. I like but, to pretend that I am too, based on my coloring, but I am not. But I, you know, I'm for, a mistake. I'm one of God's little accidents. I think for for me, it's not even um, you know because I love to think about creepy things. So for me, it's not even about like shared history or culture some some distant origin point it's that well you know they might be real these might have been real things you know (laughs) that that they were encountering and seeing Mm -hmm. and that they were everywhere yeah they were all over the world so now that we've broken the cryptid seal (laughs) when we do in jersey devil (laughs) of all the cryptids that's the one i have i have i I I actually Semi believe in that one. I told that's, you that, if of I did all the any ones, of them, that's I would the one do that I. Devil. I have a yeah. very this this has gotten me booed at parties. I have a very unpopular theory about the Jersey Devil that um, that that it is not a cryptid. All right, <laughs> but 
We'll if, save if that. If you do that, we can... We we'll can do a crossover that. now because I want to hear we'll the theory. Yeah. <laughs> Let's table that discussion for now. All right. All do you right. guys have any Pukwaji stories to share? I don't. I don't have a Pukwaji story to share. What do you have to but share? I have a, I have a couple Reddit stories. Or, yeah. yeah except least. except that there was a... I believe there was an episode of Lore. Um, not to... Not That's to what episode saying. 7, In the Woods, it's called. Yeah, yeah where it's like he's hanging out like on a wall outside of a park. Is that the one? There was like a strange little creature. I remember this story. There was a strange little creature that people were seeing like on this... There was a park, like a very wooded park, and then a wall... Like bordering the oh, street. Oh, and he was making faces. And he's, at yeah, them. he's like hissing at people. That wasn't and... in the woods. What was that but one? No, I it do was remember one that episode. Yeah. And that descri- wasn't the same the, the, episode. The description was like straight up like a puckwudgie. Yeah. And I think that was like near in or near Boston that yeah. that happened. Maybe it was that episode, just a different story. I don't know. No, remember. I just listened I to that. And there were, there were like multiple people that saw that. And that was not even in like a secluded, yeah. isolated area. There's people like literally just like driving down the just street. Just working on his tan, y'all. Let, there, let there, the man work on his tan. <laughs> there's like a car full of guys just driving down the street and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What the F is that? <laughs> <laughs> Pull over. <laughs> Let's get a picture. Okay, John Travolta. <laughs> oh, my. What did he get here? Go on over there and get a picture with them. <laughs> oh my, oh my God. Oh my god! Really still I think that's a puck wood. <laughs> oh Listeners, if you want more of that, just go to Liminal Unlimited. <laughs> yeah, unlimited, not here. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, on a side note, though, back to you know, can put the puck wedgie, you know, like take control of your body. Uh, something else here from um, Yankee Express. Uh, it actually has said that. Pukwaji can also use the souls of the dead to lure victims to their demise. One person followed a ball of light into the woods only to spot one of the diminutive demons trying to lure him in further. A few nights later, while in the same area, the same creature stalked the person while he sat in his auto. Oh, there, there is also a story of them luring kids into the swamp and then they get stuck in the muck and then they just point and laugh as the kids slowly sink. Our <laughs> that's, a, that's one of the Pukwudgy <laughs> stories there. Freaking bullies. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your height's not going to help you now. Eat, but, oh, eat, I'm a human. Eat, <laughs> eat, eat thinking. Eat thinking. <laughs> We're laughing over this terrible. Ooh, Dark humor. Well, there's ooh, no proof it's real. That's true. <laughs> ooh, ooh, uh, help. No. <laughs> oh my gosh, Alex is a Pukwaji. That's how he talks right now. Well, that's the thing Bill Russo said uh, in, in like the full story. He's like, I thought it was a toddler learning to talk, you know, because that's what it sounds like. Uh, well, um, fun fact: the Freetown State Forest now has a sign on Slab Bridge Road that says Pukwaji Crossing, and there's a picture oh, of nice. So that's a good thing. Now. Before we get into Reddit. Did you know that in York, just two hours south of us, we have our own Sasquatch? He's called the Albatwitch. An Albatwitch? And every summer they have an Albatwitch like festival. Really? Yeah. That sounds like that sounds like a bunch of guys Albatwitch. sitting around at a committee meeting in York. <laughs> Going, all right, we need something. We gotta, we gotta get bigger. We gotta pull them in with something. What do we got? One of the gaming podcasts I listened to, they live down there and they're like, 
How did we not know that this was a thing? We're 10 minutes away from where the festival look, is. Look, look, guys. Last year, we had the Strawberry Festival. Nobody showed. Nobody showed. Two years before that, we had the Wheat Festival. Nobody showed. We need something, guys. Give me something. Uh, I heard of an Elba Twitch when I was young. Uh, <laughs> what right. does it even mean? Johnson, you're we're going. higher. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> I did not know that. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Well, uh, side note on Alex, before you tell us your Reddit stories, um, his English is getting better. And so I'm not all sure. All the if colors of the rainbow. All the colors of the rainbow. They, they heard that. <laughs> um, so the other night we're giving him a bath. I'm not sure if you saw us on Facebook. Um, and when well, he's getting out of the tub, like, you know, and we're drying him. And he goes, Mommy, put me bed. We go bed. We go bed. And I go, no, honey, tonight's daddy's turn. But you sleep right here because it's Joey. I lay down on my side by side him on this bed. And I go, no, honey, it's daddy's turn. But it's a race car bed. <laughs> and I'm like, well, then. all right, I'm in. <laughs> yes, sold. Sold me. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, my gosh, my son's up. That's why he acts like a little demon because he is. He's a Pukwaji. Pukwa Alex. Works. <laughs> oh, and I just wanted to say earlier we uh, before I, we get into the rest of the stories. <laughs> I, earlier, I, re- I referenced the Kushtika uh, up in Alaska. Bless you. <laughs> and the Kushtika does the uh, same thing. It uh, Kushtikas can shape shift, mm-hmm. and they will actually either sound or appear to you as a loved one or a friend to lure um, you out. Yeah, there. saying like you know, I need we need help or you know something to get you to come deeper into the woods too it's like end of the world stuff right there you ever hear those stories like the mm. end of the world mm. um it's gonna be like three days of darkness mm-hmm. and you need to keep all your windows covered and your doors covered and you're you'll hear voices outside begging you to open your doors and stuff like that of loved ones yep i saw that they did they did that in a movie once oh really where like the other yeah, people were inside and they hear outside they're like they're like i need help these demons are everywhere I need you to come come open the door. <laughs> yeah. Don't open the door. I remember when I was little, I first because my you know, yeah, our mom, mom our mom him. being crazy, <laughs> like super religious person, told us all these stories, and I would just stay up at at, at night, like, what if it happens tonight? You know, and I just start hearing people outside my window. Yeah. And that's when his older sister Jenny came over to the door and went. He wants you. He wants you. Let me in. Demons are in. It's cold out here. <laughs> Get a sweater. <laughs> oh, uh, that 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 actually remind. Not to delay your Reddit yeah, story. Yeah, before we get to the Reddit <laughs> story. Reddit story. Reddit story. <laughs> Um, you know what? I don't even want to tell them anymore. Oh, okay, good. Let's end it. <laughs> On one of our other episodes, we were talking about doppelgangers. Yeah. And uh, we talked about how even uh, a mimic like is basically like an audio doppelganger. Yeah. And that happened to a guy like he had been kind of, he had these doppelganger experiences like his whole life. Um, but it, it actually occurred to like the people around him. It was like centered around him. And his cousin is in the house the one day and hears him from upstairs calling to him. And when he gets upstairs and he realizes it's coming from the guy's bedroom and and the voice just keeps going in here, in here. And it's coming from the closet. Then you don't go in In there. In here. 
in here. (laughs) (laughs) So again, very, very, very odd that you have like a doppelganger thing that is like mimicking somebody's voice. Almost feels very Kushtika Pukwudgie energy. Did I tell um, you that before we get into your Reddit story? Yeah. Um, did I tell you that my phone made like grew to make me hate that episode? Because every like friggin' Spotify will just take over my Bluetooth every time I turn my car on. But it would revert back to the same anecdote <laughs> of uh, a guy's girlfriend bringing her like groceries into the house. Mm-hmm. And so it's just Jen's voice saying like, and he saw her get out of the car with the bag and go, th- you know, and walk towards the door. And I'm like, oh my God, I heard this like 30 <laughs> times now. <laughs> the entire time I listened to that episode though, I was like, um, as a literary expert, there's also the doppelganger in literature. <laughs> and I was like, why did they invite me on to discuss literary combustion? <laughs> All right. So anyways. So actual Reddit stories. Reddit. Reddit. Let's hear it. Let's Re- hear what you read it. Read it. Read the Reddit. No, I'm good. (laughs) Well, that was great. See everybody. (laughs) Oh, all right. I don't have as many as I used to because the Bridgewater Triangle subreddit got shut down for not having a moderator. So all those stories went bye bye. But Uh, I think I might have told this one on our episode just because I recognize the name of who posted it. It's from the Paranormal Encounters subreddit Mm. from. Stale Queef 69. <laughs> that, that'll it's a name it. you can't forget. <laughs> that'll need a bleep. <laughs> we'll put a cat meow over that one. <laughs> Stale meow. <laughs> so this is a pretty good one. An experience I had in 2016, finally ready to let go. I'm only going to tell this story here because you people will understand where I'm coming from when I say I've gotten some looks when I've told this to people in person. In 2016, a few friends and I were four-wheeling in Freetown, Massachusetts. For anyone not in the know, this area is in the Bridgewater Triangle. Uh, this area is a hot zone for our hauntings, sightings, uh, UFOs, Bigfoot, and God knows what else. We were heading back to the trailhead, and my Jeep was in the middle of the pack of our vehicles. All were well lit and had light bars going. As we were driving, we all simultaneously started having electrical issues. My lights, the guy in front, and my buddy behind me all started flickering at the same time. All three vehicles died. The kid behind me said he saw a tall black mass in his rear view mirror as it happened. He still won't tell me what he saw, but I can back it up because I saw it as well once we got the vehicle started back up and hightailed it out of there. I'm not 100% sold on the paranormal still, but I am unequivocally convinced that this black mass was pure evil in its most condensed form. This thing chased us for over a mile through the woods, and all three of us experienced strange headaches as well as scratches for days afterwards. Hmm. I just want to never think about this again. Edit, for anyone about to ask, this massive evil was about ten feet tall, pure black. Think of that black paint that absorbs all light, darker than that. No amount of guns, weapons, or help would have made that any better. This thing was pure evil, fear, dread, etc. That black paint, though, by the way... That's messed up. It's it messes pretty, with your eyes. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's pure freaky. concentrated evil. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What subreddit did that come from? That was from Paranormal Encounters. Pay attention. I didn't even know there was one called that. I knew of Paranormal. But Paranormal Encounters. There's a Reddit for everything. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. There's a Reddit all about Ouija boards. We should see oh, if there's yeah. a Reddit for Wellhouse Exorcism where they're like just slapping us down. 
Let's see. Here's no, I'm not going to go out of that Reddit. I don't want to be sad. <laughs> oh, here's one. Let's see. This is from Paranormal subreddit. Danny Hill. Um, that's a good name. Oh, no. That's who asked the question. This is from Jabinoy. Oh. I grew up in New Bedford and would go hiking and spend the night out there in the Freetown State Forest, not very far from Profile Rock. That's a pack of puck wedgies. I knew it. (laughs) My brother and I had experienced on more than one occasion things that were not explainable. This would have been between 1990 and 1999. We heard ritualistic drums and chanting one night. Another night, glowing orbs that we thought were other people carrying lanterns or high-powered flashlights. However, there were no people upon checking it out. They just faded away before our eyes. Never mind the screams you would hear in the dead of night carried by the darkness. On another occasion, and this still haunts me to this day, we were hiking in what I can only describe as the darkest night imaginable with limited light sources. Who the heck is hiking? Uh, All right. Maybe don't do that. And as we were hiking along a path to our right, we heard something breaking brush and tree branches charging towards us in the pitch black. Whatever it was, was massive and heavy. And as it charged, it let out this otherworldly demonic growl is the only way to describe it. I now live in Seattle, Washington. I'm a 37 and avid hiker and have heard everything from cougars, elk, caribou, wolves, and bears. Pretty much most big game. And this was none of those. My brother, with baseball bat in hand, charged that wood line, swinging and yelling, and just like that, the night fell dead silent. Not a cricket, not a sound, just the sound of our hearts beating out of our chests. I don't understand why you're hiking in the middle of the night with only a baseball bat. What is happening? (laughs) I know. That does remind The one thing that you said there about the lights and everything reminded me of uh, another thing they said that, that people have seen, like, campfires... But they don't give off heat, smoke. They don't even smell. You just see the flames. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. One more, Jen. That, that's a good one. That, that one actually reminds me of, um, and I think we might have mentioned this this one before, um, the guy Les Stroud, the survivor man. Okay. And you know, he goes out in the woods completely by himself. He's yeah. not he's not like Bear Grylls. Yeah, he doesn't even have a camera crew. Yeah, yeah he just mm-hmm. takes cameras out and like sets them up and films himself doing all this <laughs> yeah. stuff. And um he's now like a big Bigfoot proponent. Oh, Be- he saw some stuff too. Well, yeah, uh he saw something and then uh, on another night he's out. Um he would go cuz he just randomly goes out to like camp and do stuff to like think of things to do for like a new documentary Mm -hmm. or a new you know and so he'll test stuff out so he goes out and he's out at night in the middle of nowhere because he goes where no one hikes no one camps like he goes out to where nobody's around and he's out there and he says he starts hearing something and he hears like brush like that, like brush and twigs and things cracking. And he's like, he's like, I've been in the woods my whole life. He's like, I know what a bear coming up on you sounds like. Mm-hmm. He even got um, stalked once by a jaguar in South America. And he knew it. So he knows what that sounds mm-hmm. like. He's like, I heard a two legged bipedal like person out where no people go. Yeah. And he's like, and I hear it walking up on me. And he said it got to within an uncomfortable distance in the dark because he's in pitch black. Mm. And he goes, 
hello, and it stops. Mm. And then he hears quickly the footsteps like <laughs> moving away. And he's like, there would have been no other human being out there. Yeah. And he's like, and they didn't answer back. Yeah. They didn't come try and get me or whatever. He's like, I totally think that I got Big walked up on by a Bigfoot. I have to yeah. say, after watching Missing 411, we're not done with it yet. No, we're not. But we just got to the part where, like, the hunters showed their footage when they are in the oh, woods. The audio. Oh, the yeah. audio, yeah. Yes. Yeah, the Sierra Camp, it's yeah. Wild. Yeah, we love those. That was so cool. All it right. scared me. One more. Just a short one. A couple of weird things. Like a Pukwudgie. This is from the Paranormal Subwudgie. Subwudgie. I like it. From Keck the Kid, I saw a Thunderbird when I was around nine years old. I remember I was playing with a soccer ball in my backyard, and I looked up and I saw this bird with massive a massive wingspan, and it had three tails similar to that of a lion, but kind of looked like dreaded hair. Hmm. I took it as some sort of spiritual sign, as I know nothing like that has ever been seen before. Hmm. I live about 20 miles north of the Bridgewater Triangle and Hockamock Swamp, where there have been many paranormal sightings, including Thunderbirds. Um, when I was around six to seven, I was playing with action figures in my room on the second floor of my house. I of Thunderbirds. Out, of course. I looked out the window and saw a yellow ball, maybe twice as big as a softball, floating in midair, sitting perfectly still over my neighbor's yard. I went downstairs to ask my dad about it, and he said, oh, it's only pollen. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't seem to understand when I was explaining the size of it. When I went back to my room, it was gone. Just something else weird I saw. Yeah, you know, sometimes it collects in balls. Yeah. Catches on fire. Great big balls. It's still like as light as a feather, but it's a ball. It's what you saw. Pollen. (laughs) It's pollen. (laughs) All right, my shows are on. (laughs) (laughs) Get out of here, too. Um, So before we finish up then, because I do have one quote that I want to read as our closure. Why do you think that these places like Triangles exist? Because you're the Liminal Unlimited podcast. So this isn't just, this is outside my comfort zone, my knowledge zone of ghosts. Why do these places exist? That's because my shop put them all there. We don't know. That's the Pukwa G, Pukwa PJ. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the, the short answer is we don't know. Mm-hmm. The The answer, my thought on it is, well, number one, for whatever reason, we give them these triangular formations. Yeah, we talked about this. A like, lot of times they're amorphous. It might not actually be a triangle. Like, it could be a parallelogram, you know. Or a rhomboid. <laughs> yes. But... <laughs> Triangle sounds better, and it's easier to, you know, find three points and call yeah. it a triangle. But I'm sure there's things that happen outside of the triangle. The Bridgewater Heptagon. That's right. <laughs> However, However, if I want to push deep into the possibilities... To take a hedron. The possibility is that like the sightings of the black triangles, the UFOs in the skies, over a lot of these areas... Is it possible that if that's a something from a, a higher dimensionality manifesting in our three-dimensional world and the shape that it takes on in this reality is of a triangle, that that's all we can perceive it as, what if these places 
that are crossover points into that same dimension take on triangular shapes because that's the way they have to manifest the doorways into our world because that's the way, that's the form they take mm. in this reality. Here's Uranus. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> that was really smart. John, what do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I can, I, I, I definitely lean towards the, like the weak points in time and space yeah, kind of. I mean, maybe it has to do with ley lines and just how, you know, geographically or whatever these areas are situated. Because um, there's no, like, you know, we, we mentioned it before. I mean, I know you guys on your one of your podcasts, the magnetic poles were supposed to have shifted. Mm -hmm. This is nowhere close to mm -hmm. one of those points. Right. So, you know, it's just, it's interesting that happens here. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it is. It's very interesting. But I think a lot of it is, you know, it's just convenient to call it a triangle. You know, like, I'm sure there's yeah. stuff that happens. It's probably not a perfect triangle, but... Well, that one guy said he's, like, 20 miles north right. of exactly. the triangle, you know. It's... You know, I think it's just that general area. Yeah. And if you can... Kind of narrow it down to, to a, yeah those three towns yeah, those three and everything main, in between right, them exactly so but I, mean, I think it's knows, the Hockamock are... swamp it's all just sucking all yeah. energy that's what I think well and if there's a central point you know then it kind of makes it's sense. the epicenter it would, right and then it would kind of expand outward in a certain area but yeah I think the a, swamp just brings in those triangle UFOs they're mm. interested. They want, they want to see the um, Pukwaji laughing at the children who are being sucked down in the <laughs> mire. What you got down there? Oh, okay. I'll be back later. That's, that's pretty mean. You're not tango, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to save you. Oh, boy. Anyway, so thank you so much for being on. It was lovely. Thanks for having yeah, us. That was fun. We'll have yeah. to bring you on again for the Jersey Devil at some point. Do you want to plug what you have coming up next week on your yeah. show? We could do the pre-flight UFOs. We could do pre-flight UFOs. That would be pretty cool. All right. We're doing pre-flight UFOs. I like it. By the way, the Cecil Hotel one you did was fantastic. That was cool. Thank you. Up. And also, if, if you're into horror movies, you can check out my other podcast. Nosferatu. dudes with my friend Brad. Our next episode is going to be a comparison between the both 1985 films Once Bitten and Fright Night. Ooh. All about uh, two horny high school dudes <laughs> who somehow get waylaid with encounters with vampires. Yeah. Of course. I have to say, I really like... I'm. I still have only seen the first episode, but I really enjoy the conversations you two have and the way you play off each other. Thank Unli you. Unlike us. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. you. Me. Good times. <laughs> so happy to be here. Sorry to be here. Check it out. And so that was Liminal Unlimited, everyone. Thank you for listening this week. <laughs> and you can listen to our other podcasts, which are Games Overboard and Danger and Dice. And you can find us on Facebook at Games Overboard. And you can find our website GamesOverboard.com. You can email us at GamesOverboard at gmail.com. And you can also find us on YouTube at Games Overboard. Okay, there you go. But that. we're very hard to find find on YouTube. So like look up uh like Kevin Paul interview or John Garcia interview uh for us to pop up. Because then you'll like then you'll that? find us. I don't we don't because we money. don't pay money for it. Oh. <laughs> if we were to like spend some money to get our name out there and mm -hmm. get our 
get us into the algorithm, mm-hmm. then we'd be easier to find. But we refuse. <clears throat> yeah, we're the American dream. That's right. All right. I <laughs> I have people like Tim messaging me and Jackie. So I know that I am... Seriously, yeah, shout out to those two because we love your messages. Keep them coming, seriously. Makes me smile. I like getting fan mail. All right, so I want to close out with, I already mentioned it, The Stolen Child by William Butler Yeats. Not the whole thing, just parts of it. The Stolen Child by William Butler Yeats. Where dips the rocky highland of Sleuthwood in the lake, there lies a leafy island where flapping herons wake. The drowsy water rats, they're where we've hid our fairy vats, full of berries and of reddest stolen cherries. Come away, O human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than you can understand. Away with us he's going, the solemn-eyed, he'll hear no more the lowing of the calves on the warm hillside, or the kettle on the hob sing peace into his breast, or see the brown mice bob round and round the oatmeal chest. For he comes, the human child, to the waters and the wild, with a fairy hand in hand, for the world's more full of weeping than he can understand.'